What are the similarities and differences between coaching in business and coaching in sports? Are we taking enough time to reflect on our actions, our strengths, and the areas we have for improvement? Let's find out what Miles Downey has to say in helping people understand who they are as leaders, building up their willpower, and having that insatiable desire for learning. Hello, and welcome to the Practical Leadership Podcast, where I interview great leaders and try to extract their wisdom and experience for you to learn from, and hopefully avoid making their mistakes. Check out practical-leadership.academy because you want to help your new managers succeed with hybrid or remote working. Miles Downey, thank you very much for joining me. Great pleasure. Accomplished tennis player, C-suite leadership coach, author, consultant, man about town. I'm doing you a disservice, undoubtedly. Would you please introduce yourself to both my listeners. Well, and and good afternoon, morning, or evening, depending on when you're listening, uh, those two listeners. Um, Yeah, um, I've been in the world of coaching since, well, probably there wasn't a world of coaching. So I've I've written about it in a number of books, which are um, sell well, and are uh, I get nice feedback on. But mostly, it's what I do is I'm out there working with people who in some cases lead large businesses, some smaller businesses, some business units, but aside. And I do something that I call leader performance coaching. I'm there to help people succeed. And because I'm quite good at that, and because I've got a bit of a reputation around it, and because I've trained coaches, I also get to do odd jobs like work with um, Eddie Jones and his coaches at, at England Rugby. So it's a uh, they're, they're those bits that are are kind of the really fun bits that get mixed in with it all. So when you're talking to the the English rugby coaches and you're talking to the C-suite execs of some highfalutin company, what are the similarities and differences between the two? It's, it's, it's quite a great question. I, I, I think you should have given me about a week's warning. Um, oh, I, the, the, no, 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 no. It's, it's fine as long as people are patient with me. Um, there's, there's, there are similarities um, and... But they're they're fairly profound in the sense that they're they're buried deep within the person. So mo- most people who um, who adopt a leadership position, and and when you're a coach to the England rugby team uh, or part of that team of coaches, you are leading um, other usually younger men, um, usually. Um, and most people, when they show up as a leader, don't really know who the hell is showing up. They're kind of a a conglomeration of people they've admired or worked with in the past. So kind of the sins of the father is being visited upon the children, um, that. Um, and then whatever they've picked up at whatever training they may or may not have done. Um, and then and then there's how they respond in the moment. But it, but they one of the things that I do with leaders and with people in, in, in senior coaching roles is I help them understand who they are. And if you have a profound sense of who you are, the confidence that comes from that, because what you do then is an expression of who you are rather than some damn trick that you've been taught by an inept trainer in some small windowless room somewhere. Um, so it's, so, so that, that's a commonality. I work with leaders to understand what their unique genius as a leader is and coaches to understand what their unique genius as a coach is as the, as the foundation point of what they then go and express in the world. Forgive those last few words. They, they, they're overly flowery. Um, but, but that's what it, that's, that's, that's what's common. What's, what's different, of course, is that, um, is that in sport, the world of sport, you're the, the, the response to what you do is immediate and before you. Often in the world of business, the response is 
months or even years down the road. So it's more difficult to course correct if you're um, if you're a, a leader in business. Mm-hmm. I think there's a it's one of the Psalms, isn't it? It's um, Psalms or Proverbs, probably Proverbs. A man who's wise in his own eyes, uh, somebody actually who knows themselves. You know, it's the, know thyself. Mm. Yeah, ah, like lies in the lies in the lovely line. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Brilliant line. Mm. So who shows up? I mean, I've always said. You know, this amalgam of people who you've, who you've had yourself as managers and typically people's first impressions last, right? And the mm. first impressions of managers are typically their first managers and their first managers are typically in their first management role because who do you get to lead the first people you have in the company but the most junior managers and what's that impression? It's crap. And not only that, I'm going to cut in, is, is that uh, 71% of people who are given a first job in the UK of managing others receive no training. No training. It's as low as that. <laughs> I thought it'd be much higher. 71%. I think I've I've seen that stat somewhere. Re- receive that. receive no training. So you know, only I got to do the maths, 29% to get any training. Socks and toes off. Yeah, yeah, no, 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 I can't no, go no. past 10 without taking my socks off. Yeah, yeah. 71% of new managers get no training. Um I'm not surprised by that. I mean, a big thing that I tried to mess around is, is called the Practical Leadership Podcast, right? Mm. It's the idea that we can bring something practical to leaders, typically, who are dumped in this, either because founders of new companies or whatever, and all of a sudden they've hired 27 people, and rather than being an engineer, they have to manage and lead, or they've been dumped, as you say. Congratulations, you're promoted. To what? Managing that team over there. Uh, but they hate me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I used to be one of the plebs, and now I'm one of the supreme yeah. beings. How am I supposed to manage my pals? Or, 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 or. Yeah. All these things. Yeah. Okay. Who shows up? Who shows yeah. up? Mm. Yeah. How do you... This... You talk about training coaches. Yeah. How, do you, how do you dig that out? What's your, your magic sauce for <laughs> helping people to understand who they are? Self-reflection. Well, it's... it's um. Actually, it's it's kind of now a well worked process, a set of a set of questions with a little exercise stuck in the middle of it, um, and um, and obviously it's never stuck too rigidly. But the questions are things like, um, you know, as, as a leader, what do you enjoy doing? I mean, some of them are very simple. They get a bit more complex. As as a leader, um, what di- what you know, what difference do you, do you think you make? Um, uh, as as a, a leader, um, what what are you becoming? As a leader, what do people come to you for so there's a there's a set of questions that I've got and then I do a little bit of magic which is I get people to um, as much as possible relax probably close their eyes um, and I uh, in in that kind of more relaxed mental state I take them on a little journey where they they remember a time when they were with a team or or um, in a leadership position so it could be at any point in your eyes could be back in Cups if you went to university or exactly so any moment where 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 you um, inadvertently or otherwise ended up being um, in a leadership position or and 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 it worked and I get them to go back to that in their in their memory and I get them to picture it and then I do this trick I, I said I get 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 that image of you in your mind leading to disappear and have that Im- that be replaced by a symbol of you as a leader and people don't believe it's going to happen but every time the imagination their intuition gives them an image a, a, a symbol that's often significantly profound. And what I've done is it's a very simple trick. I've taken them away from their kind of rational minds and their thinking and their and the filters they have to exclude useful information. And because the, the the imagination just goes straight to the point and it and, and it gives them something fresh and new. And then you pull all that together in, into some kind of a statement about who they are as a leader. 
Um, I, and I'll give you an example. Um, um, I worked with a guy about um, seven or eight months ago, a very talented um, younger man, but 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 um, so in his middle thirties, I would guess. Um, and he um, he was taking up. A, he was in sales, very very successful. Went to a headhunted into a bigger company with a more diverse team. Blah blah blah. You get that kind of picture. Did an exercise very similar to we described, and the image that came to him, to his surprise was of his school days when there was a very good teacher who happened to wear a, um, a, uh, a, a jacket, you know, with a kind of a, a carton cross, uh, you know, a tweed jacket. That's the word I'm looking for. Excuse me. Um, and, um, and this image of the tweed jacket came to him. And he, and, and he was there sitting with those eyes, and his eyes closed, and his eyes just opened. And he looked at me and said, that, that's the essence of it. I, I need to teach, and I need to understand that each person needs to be taught different things. And it was just like, so, so it was like, and, and you know, in, in a year's time, we may do that exercise and it may be something completely different because he'll have moved on into a different part of his life. So we change. So we need to account for that. But it was absolutely profound. So when he goes into the place of work, he goes in, if, if you know, if he panics or whatever, I'd say, no, 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 I'm a teacher. Breathe. What do I do? Ah, it's clear. So once you have the clarity of the identity, the beauty is that then you ask yourself, so what does that look like? And that gets you to strategies, tactics, and behaviors. Mm. So, and, and, and once you know what those things are, it's, oh, relax. You, you, know, you know what to do. And, and suddenly you become a point of clarity in all the nonsense. Yeah. I, like, I like your framing. I like the framing of what do you enjoy doing, which is always my triage question. If somebody, I was talking to somebody yesterday, so what's, what's WhatsApp ah. coaching them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and if you're listening, you know who you are. Um, uh, and he was saying, oh, you know, he's, he's doing really, really well. Number one sales board, super, super guy, really empathetic, really wonderful human being. But asking, I've got to become a leader to get on. And I was thinking, you know, really question that, really question that. Because if you don't really enjoy the people part, number one, as a sales guy, you might not earn as much as a sales leader. Mm -hmm. But you've got to really burn for the whole making people better. What do you enjoy yeah. doing? And then what do you enjoy doing? What difference do you think you'll make? How are you going? What is that difference? Are you going to be the pain in the bum that micromanages? Are you going to lead people to a destination where they wouldn't get in their own? Because that's leadership. Yeah. What are you becoming your journey? Yeah. Why do people come to you? If they don't come to you, that's a question. That's part of your <laughs> you mm, Nobody's coming yeah. to you. There's a reason. Mm. Right? That's lovely. That's a very profound piece. I do like that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. And 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 infinitely practical. That's the that's mm. the fun of some of this stuff is that you you have to go to a different place that's profound. But actually, it comes down into what I'm going to do tomorrow. It's. I mean, uh, I've, I've studied um, hypnotism and persuasion and influence for many many years, and that's a right. hypnotic metaphor, right? So that's the definition right. of what you just described. Yeah, I'll scroll yeah. down actually as you're going. It's a hypnotic metaphor. You're actually putting people okay. into. It's not actually hypnosis, although it kind of is. It's delving yeah. into that subconscious where you are allowing yourself to remove those filters and access what you know is already yeah. there. And I think that's yeah. a big part of coaching. It's the essence of coaching. I, I don't need to know the answers. In fact, I can. Yeah. In fact, sometimes it's even better if I don't know the answers. Yeah, yeah. I no, I, I, by the way, so just so you know, I take that to such extremes that, in fact, in um, in July, I'm running a program where I'll take people onto a tennis court because it's true, tennis is a thing that I love. But the point of it is, it come, it, it, um, what, what's going on is I'm taking people onto a tennis court and I'm giving them some principles that that are about how people learn. So there's a there's a distinction here between teaching and learning, and most oh, coaching that we see out there is teaching. 
yes. or instructing, whichever way you like to. Do it. But if if I put people on a tennis court, 99.9% of them can't teach tennis. So what I'm doing is I'm putting them in a place where they are reliant for there to be a successful lesson. They are reliant on the other person's innate capacity to learn. Because let's face it, nobody taught you how to walk. So, and it's, and it's, it is just, I mean, I've had people in tears by lunchtime when they suddenly see that, that without, without being clever or smart or insightful, but just by help paying attention to people and, and putting in place a little bit of structure, people learn for themselves. And it's for many people profoundly moving. There's a thread that goes back to your knowing yourself. Um, and appreciating how people learn there, I, I can sense that the way that you know yourself, I think, is by being interested and in in others and appreciating people around you for who they are. Because a part of knowing others is by knowing yourself, and there's the, the yes. circular connection here. If you want That's to great. understand humanity, you start by looking at yourself. That's great. That's absolutely. Yeah, you know, I've never I've never said that, and it rings absolutely true. Yeah, mm. I love that. Thank you. Mm. You wrote a book, Enabling Genius, available at all ah. good bookstores and the link in the description right now, Enabling Genius. And you did a bit of research behind that. Yeah. Tell yeah. us what that means. Well, um, so that process that I described getting people the tennis court, that's that's the foundation of what I do. I, I help people use their own resources, their imagination, their intelligence, whatever else, to to make progress. And that gives them confidence in themselves and um uh, and competence beyond me. Hmm. Uh, so I don't have to be around that doesn't make dependency. But I also have kind of, you know, 30 plus years of experience of coaching. Um, and and what happened was over, uh, at a, 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 about 10 years ago, less than that, but about that, um, one or two of my clients at the same time were given really difficult jobs. And what they realized was that in order to get there, they had to go well beyond what they were currently delivering, currently performing. They had to kind of reach into the outer edges of their potential, if you like. And that was the request to me. But, oh, how, how the hell do I help them explore those outer edges safely? Because it goes beyond what I already, I had some inklings. So I pulled together a group of about 20 people that I knew and loved. Um, and we spent about a year looking at, at um, the literature, but also at people that we were um, attracted to who had demonstrated signs of greatness in their life in one way or other. And we asked, and the, the game was, could we find a pattern in what, uh, in, on their, on their, on their journeys to greatness? If you fit, this sounds terribly cliched. Um, but could we find a pattern? And it came down to, um, four things. And the first was what we've just been talking about, understanding identity who you are, your unique individual genius. At this point, I got to say what I mean by genius. See, when you say to somebody they have potential, their eyes glaze over and the words just blow in one ear and out the other. It, it, it doesn't register anymore. It's kind of, yeah, yeah, I've got that. If you say you've got genius, they go, what? And some people get really cross. They, they, don't, they don't, you know, those guys who wear kind of blue serge blazers with buttons on and they're kind of president of the local tennis club. They, they don't like that, people stepping out of line and expressing their genius. So they get cross because you see, essentially, society is supposed to suppress you and, and, and make you compliant. So it, it gets some people really cross. But, the, but the, the, what's, what I'm saying that genius is, is it's the expression of your potential. It's the embodiment of your potential. So your genius is the embodiment of your potential. And once you've made that real, once you can touch it and mold it, then you can do something with your potential. If you just leave it as this abstract thing, it's nothing changes. But if you, if you say, you know, so, you know, on the tennis court, I have my unique individual genius. It's really clear. 
um, big Zen cat. I hit the ball incredibly hard. I hit it deep into your backhand because I'm, I'm left-handed. So that that's the big bit. The Zen bit is about how I manage myself. Um, and by the way, that I discovered something a, a little while back was that, that I was keeping this very solemn Zen-like face, which was incongruent with what was happening inside because I was giggling because I was having so much fun playing tennis. So I started giggling because... With, I mean, I didn't start giggling. I just let it out. And cat is is kill it, pounce. So I, I'm not willing to run around the back of the court hitting the ball back and forth all day. It's a waste of time. I'll get in and I'll get myself into a position where I can hit a winner within three shots. So it's like I stand on the court. I know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. So I get so so the so the genius bit is really important to understand that sense of confidence that comes from knowing you are and and the strategy of comfort. So identity, genius. The other was will. So um, extraordinary will to um, continue on through pain, to persevere over the years. And what most people don't fully appreciate, that is to say, they understand that somewhere in their minds, but not as a working everyday principle, is that will is something you can build. You can increase the level of, of the quotient of will that you have, and, and that can carry you through uh, uh, difficult times towards your goals. Um, and then the, the, the third key element is mindset, building a mindset for success. And again, that is something you can build. And the, the fourth thing is they're all, they're all held together in these people who do extraordinary things, who demonstrate greatness. They're all held together by an insatiable desire for learning. So they continually learn and develop um, from, from one moment to the next, try things out, experiment, whatever else. So it was those four things. So that, that, that then meant that I could go into my clients and say, okay, guys, let's, let's, really, let's really push. So, yeah, you said there. Point two is that you can build your will. Now, my my sense of willpower is that it is in the moment. Perhaps I'm just thinking this out loud. You bear with me. In the moment, I think it's finite. You have the the, the metaphor that of, of a bucket of willpower and a ladle, and you're ladling it out, and you're using it as you go. And when it's done, you just need to wait until it fills back up again. It's not finite. But perhaps you're saying you can train it to make the bucket bigger. Yeah. I mean, yes. Yes, that's a good that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. Hmm. So so by by drawing in other things into it, by by understanding that um, we have a tendency uh, as human beings to try and reduce things something things to just one element. You know, the answer to you know uh, to to the problem. You know, the one thing. And most things are 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 complex and multiple. So my my image of will is like a, a braided rope. It's a whole number of things that are woven together that make something much stronger than than you know the collective individual strands. And so so there are things in there like you know the the, the um and some of these are small things. There was the guy, I, I think his name was Pew P U G H the guy who swam all seven oceans. Um you know that involved him swimming in the um at the poles, both poles. You know, he was subject to um, threats from killer whales, apart from the extreme cold. You jump into water that cold, and the body's instinctive response is to draw in oxygen. You do that when you're in water, you drown. So he had to complete, so it's the training he went through. But one of his, one element of his, of the way he built his will to persist was out of his Englishness. So um, I, I do a similar thing out of my Irishness. It, it's It's part of 
um and and he so he would he played music you know <laughs> as as he went through some of his uh, swims um he he invoked his father who i think had been in the in the, the english army you know the british army so he 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 that was one of his strands another strand was that he was doing something great for humanity because he was trying to bring bring attention to the plight the state of the oceans uh, a, another one was having clear goals about you know where he was headed and what his direction of travel was so you can you can you can braid together multiple things to make that will stronger and then there are exercises you can do um uh, uh, a guy called Assagioli who was the father of psychosynthesis describes um visualization exercises where you you you, you imagine your hand drawing on a blackboard um numbers and trying to you know kind of in chalk on a blackboard and 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 just increasing the the span of numbers you can retain in your in your mind's eye but the act of doing that actually builds will and resilience doing it so there are just so many things you can do that most people don't know about um it's, i mean i think training your mind yeah. um is one of the most found most impactful and just straightforwardly damned easiest things you can do yeah really easy it yeah. doesn't take much you're not having to try and learn how to run a marathon i mean yeah. i got somebody the other day i had them meditate and I made, I pro he said he promised he'd do it three times over three days. Like he sent me a text message and just, it was like, wow, just that. Good. Just oh, wow. good. It's for five minutes. Yeah. That's all it was. And it was just the difference in his, the clarity of, he had a very busy mind. He couldn't focus all that stuff. Yeah. But look, just do this wee thing. Talk yeah. thing. But day one, day two, day three, the difference as well. Because it's, we're not used to it. And you know, like, it was at, um, 80% of the results of anything come from the first 20% of effort. Yeah. So, Maybe I'll come yeah. for a tennis lesson one day. My son's getting too, <laughs> too, too good. He's only nine years old. It but, goes back to the whole this whole thing about about you know our, our education trains us to jump. I, I used the word compliance earlier. Trains us to jump through hoops, mm -hmm. and most of what we learn at some level is feck all use. Um, and, 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 and it's forgotten afterwards. Okay. You learn some things about, you know, how to study maybe, but you don't learn really important things like meditation, how to pay attention, how to concentrate. Most people have never been taught how to concentrate. It's a skill. Uh -huh. And it not only is it a skill, it's probably the most important skill you possess. Learning is a skill. Nobody actually, I mean, yeah. my kids, I, I, I relate a lot of things back to, to, to my, my children. Yeah. And it's a, it's a wonderful reflective thing to watch your children develop and grow over time. And you're thinking, ah, that's why life is like it is because kids come and they, this is how they discover things. My daughter's going through SATs here in England just now. They're the most pointless set of nonsense exams you can imagine. Mm. It bears no resemblance, nothing they're ever going to do, and they're <laughs> no use, and they're not recorded. And the only people who it matters to are the teachers in the school who get up oh. or down, right? So, I'm, and the, the kids go through all this stress. I've been telling my daughter she can basically go on holiday. I don't give a shit. I mean, she does. Yeah. So, hopefully, she can. But the, the whole, we don't teach people how to learn. They go to school, but they don't learn how to learn. Nobody teaches them how to learn. You don't learn by rote. Like you said, you just, the, the autonomic handwriting things, these mental techniques. They're so simple. Yeah. I tell yeah. you, we should do a session on that. Here, top five ways of learning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, oh, absolutely. Get a bit ranty there in old age. No, no, no. I think it's uh, well. It's your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, it, it's what we're what we're touching on is is the thing that is the reason that I got into the coaching world in the first place, which was that that the thing that that upsets me the most, and I mean physically uh, upsets me, is is that 
is seeing people wasting their 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 you know abilities and not expressing themselves or the thing that i hate even more than that is others who stop people expressing themselves mm. because it's the most precious resource there is your 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 genius I, it's, and it's, I like that, your genius, your, your, your resource of your genius. Genius is the expression or the embodiment of your potential. Yeah. That's lovely. Genius, your will, your mindset, and your desire yeah. for learning. Yeah. I think that's a fairly good recipe. Yeah. It's a fairly good recipe. And it's simple enough. To, it's simple enough. You know, the, 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 you know you can, you can, some of the stuff we read during the course of that project, you know, was the, the kind of the more academic stuff. It's like, okay, so somebody enjoys writing academic stuff and some of it's useful, but most of it's not applicable. Mm. Um, for for the everyday person, the hope was to do something that was clear, axiomatic, obvious, usable. Is there something that you might like to thank the young Miles for doing that got you where you are? I was I was a very I'm brought up in Holy Catholic Ireland, you know, for the most part a good boy, compliant and whatever else. But I think there was a, a part of me that that knew that that game was complete nonsense. Um, I, I, almost, I almost ended up an architect. I did end up an architect. I sat in the office. Um, and what the young Miles did was was kind of not believe. And and one day the other the other Miles and, and his their paths crossed. And I I realized that this you know life is life is too long to sit in an architect's office doing you know doing drawings of window details or something. Um, and and I you know it was going to take me you know fifteen years to be a partner in that show. And that may be for some people. If that's what you're after, then go for it. Don't you know? Don't, but it wasn't for me. So I think I think that naivety and innocence was went hand in hand with a kind of a strange courage. Um, and yes, if if I had the opportunity to say thank you, that's what I I thank that innocent for that. Strange courage, naivety, and innocence. Yeah. Of young minds. Yeah. I didn't know I was going to say that, but it's it's true. It goes back to the kids it's approach life like a child. With the curiosity, the passion, the intensity of a child, yeah, yeah, and approach other people like that as well. We went on holiday, and my kids were going up to other kids and saying, "Do you want to play?" And they like, "Well, no habla inglés," and it's like, "That's great! I've got a ball." <laughs> <laughs> United Nations, eat your heart. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah totally, totally, totally. Where can people find you, Miles? Very easily. My, my name is my name. Miles is spelled with a Y, um, and if you. If you if you Google Miles Downey, you find me pretty damn quickly, it would seem. Um, but I've I've got a website called um, www.milesdowney.com, and you can you can contact me at miles at milesdowney.com, and I yeah. love hearing from people. So yeah, milesdowney.com. Thank you very much indeed for joining. It's been a real pleasure, Paul. Thank you. That's a wrap. Thank you for joining me today. Your homework is to leave your five-star review and please, any comments you have, you really help me to improve every day. And it also helps people to discover me online. You should check out practical-leadership.academy because you want to help your new managers succeed with hybrid or remote working.